Welcome to Faith Beats, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm your host, Reverend Mark Maris. And I'm your co-host, Dave Vandermeer. Faith Beats is a podcast about the questions of life and rhythms of faith, community, and imagination through the narrative lens of storytelling, arts, and spiritual practices. Each episode uses a different medium to take a unique approach of exploring how faith intersects our lives. New releases will drop twice a month. You may be wondering, where have you been? The short answer is that there were several factors that all hit at the same time last season, some outside of our control, that caused us to take a break in bringing new episodes. Because of this, we have a few pre-recorded episodes that didn't go live, but we'll be throwing those in this season as bonus episodes, so you won't be missing out. All that said, this season we have a full slate of episodes, guests, and co-hosts planned to join us. We hope that you will come with us on this journey as we explore the contours of our faith as it beats to the rhythms of our lives. Today we kick off season four and we're beginning with a conversation around faith and the arts. And in particular, we have a wonderful guest with us today, Malcolm Powers, to join us in our conversation. Malcolm, we're excited you've joined us. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, there's not much to tell. Um, I was just raised in the east side of Detroit, um, but I, I wanted to be a sculptor ever since I was 10, and um, it never left me, and uh I worked up north of the resort for 20 years between the Army and college. And then after the Army, I, I went to a, a Detroit Bible College for a semester and transferred to University of Michigan for six years, majoring in, in art. It's a funny thing that when I, my dad wanted me to go to the University of Michigan and uh, I didn't think I was bright enough, um, and uh, I tried to avoid, you know, I, I had the GI Bill I could use, and I, but uh, he wanted me to go to Michigan. So I sent in an application knowing they'd reject me, and, um, but I, I was surprised when they accepted me, and uh, I think it was because I was on the GI Bill. And anyhow, uh, they had an art school at Michigan. I didn't even know that. And so they put me in the art school. So I was there six years. And that's pretty much my education. What was your focus at the University of Michigan? Was it sculpting? Yeah, yeah sculpting. That's right. Um, and But you had to take uh, art history as well. It took about 15 hours of art history. Wow. And uh, 
felt dumber all the time. Uh, to me, when I came to Michigan, I figured everyone had 150 IQ, and I, I knew I didn't. <laughs> but uh, I, I got a disabuse of that after a while. The Lord leads in devious ways, <laughs> in a good, using that term in a good way. Yeah. And uh, so he, he worked worked my and even getting married i when i finished up north um i got a call from jim carlson um to come and work at logos bookstore and set up a gallery but even before that uh my wife called me one day because she was in a bible study she was assistant manager at logos and she was in a Bible study with a, a woman who I knew when I was a kid in college. And she was a Finnish lady. And uh, she asked, she, Marion, my wife, set up a, a, a group, a fellowship group. But they, they were all women, and she needed some men. So she asked this mutual friend of ours, if she knew any men. And she says, yeah, I know one. He's in Detroit. Um, I'll give you his phone number. Marion got my phone number and called me. And, and so I figured, well, I'll come up and join the group. And the first, first so-called date that we had, uh, <laughs> I helped move the store from Church Street to South University across from the Brown Jug. And in a year or so, we got married. And uh, it's been 51 years now. So I'm, I'm an old guy. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. How did, how did you end up at First Press? Marion went there okay. when she came to town. She wanted a church where, when she was out east, she was with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and she she had the Seven Sisters Colleges to attend to. And uh, so she formed a fellowship group over at Hartford, and uh, so that's why she started one in Ann Arbor. I, I never, I was pushing 40 and when we got married so I I wasn't wasn't it wasn't that I wasn't on the lookout f to get a wife I just was slack in doing it and um, so that's pretty much my story the sculpture I've been at the heart of my life ever since so beginning this Friday September 16th through October 7th we will host Malcolm Sculptures in the Lewis Room. So, Malcolm, can you tell us how long it takes to make one of these sculptures? Ah, uh, there's no, no set time. You, I, some of it I get from my drawings, but essentially, it doesn't take long to sketch one out. But it takes maybe several years to finish it. I know I have several pieces that I started 20 years ago 
and I just finished. I looked at it and says, well, I, I like that. I'll just finish it up. Great. That's how it goes. Hmm. But, and sometimes it goes fast, but most of the time it's, it's a long period because you have to attend to details. Yeah. And um, the details <laughs> get kind of overwhelming, sometimes boring. Mm. Um, but uh, but that's about it. There's no set time. When you finish a sculpture, do you know that it's done, or do you just have to say no, it's done? How do you know when when it's complete? Well, you know it's complete when you can look at it and say, well, I don't dislike any of it. Mm. Um, but even after it's complete. I look, and, and in bronze, I look at them, and I say, I wish I'd done this. Yeah. That. So they're never really complete in your thinking. Yeah. But I, I found the, uh, you know, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And that happens, I find in my sculpture, I'll be working on a wax, and... Uh, getting it to where I want it and then gets dropped or damaged in some way. But I found out that that fits in with Romans 8.28 because I'm glad that happened because it forced me to attend to other details. You know, and Job, God asked Job, have you entered into the treasures of the snow? And I said, well, I, I couldn't do that. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but I entered into the treasures of form and design. Mm. And that's that's what I do. Wow. So that, that that principle has stayed with me ever since that I read that quote in Job. Yeah. Can you tell Malcolm tell us more about the process? So you, you first you do a sketching and then what's next? What follows? Yeah. Well, oftentimes I'll, I'll take it from my sketchbook. I rough it out in clay, and that doesn't take long, maybe a, a day. I, I finish it pretty much in the clay, and then I take a piece mold, a plaster piece mold, and um, which is different segments of the, the, of the piece. Well, I, Pieces means you do it in pieces. You you take a mold, and it's not in one piece. It's in more, oftentimes, you know, five, six pieces. Then, after the mold sets up, you, you take it apart, and then paint hot wax into each of those pieces. When you get that finish, about the thickness of a, depending on the size of the sculpture, it could be um, eighth of an inch thick or to a quarter of an inch thick. Then you get the pieces all done. Then you have to assemble them, and then and, and you assemble them, and that they're hollow. The piece is hollow at this time. Then you spend the majority of the time working on the wax after you get the pieces all together. And uh, 
like I said, sometimes it'll take years, other months. It depends on how interested you are because you, you lose interest a lot of times and then you go on to another piece. Yeah. So I've got, I've got about a dozen waxes that I'm working on now and uh, they're not done. I got three that are ready to be done. Uh, I got eight waxes in the foundry right now. I've been blessed because we have a art foundry over here in Ypsilanti. Oh, wow. Yeah. I take my stuff there. That's great. For those of you listening, you may have encountered Malcolm's work and just not have known it. At the church near Monteith Hall, there is a cross that uh, Malcolm has constructed. Malcolm, do you remember anything about that process? Yeah, I do. Michael Linval was our head pastor at that time. And uh, he needed, he he. Exp- he basically got things going to build Monteith and uh, do a lot of other stuff around the church. And when Monteith was built, there was a corridor between that and the, the one branch of the church. I forget what what they call it now. And um, so he figured since the church was built in the Depression, they didn't have apparently enough money to make a cross for the outside of the church. So he asked me to make a cross for this court that was developed because of Monteith. So I worked on that for about a year and a half. Wow. wow. And um, uh, I got a cast over at the foundry in Ypsilanti. And uh, I figured he wanted a Celtic cross. And uh, I know Celtic crosses had uh, designs of some kind, whether abstract or episodes from Scripture. So I started doing that, and it turned out to be 41 episodes from the Scripture. So I took it from creation to revelation. And uh, I enjoyed doing it. I learned a lot. And there's a, another sculpture that Sue Boitler bought for the church. It's inside Monteith. It's in the shadows over in the corner now uh, of the entrance of, called Tears. It was from Psalm 56. And uh, then I did another one for, for Sue of a in honor of one of the choir members. And uh, that's on the top floor of the Third church. Third floor, right. You know, that the one. music area, right. Yeah. And that's a relief, kind of. The w- women got me working on designs for the cushions for the choir loft. So I 
designed a Noah motif. And so the three cushions I did there. Of course, I, I love animals, so I got, <laughs> got to do the animals, and I had a great time doing that. But all I did, I made it on graph paper, and the women had to do the design or the, the um, needlework. Needlework. And uh, they were scrupulous. If I made a mistake, and, <laughs> I mean, they, they copied that mistake. <laughs> Happily, it wasn't a, a major mistake. I'm on the details. But they did a good job. Uh, so if you haven't checked those out, be sure to check those out. Well, friends, that's our time today. We hope that this conversation has stirred something within you, and we especially hope that you make your way into the Lewis Room at First Presbyterian Church here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, from September 16th through October 7th for this uh, wonderful exhibit of Malcolm's work. We want to thank you for listening today, and Malcolm, we especially want to thank you for joining us and sharing your work with us. My pleasure. Be sure to join us for our next episode with our new lead pastor, Dave Prentice Hires. Please visit firstpresbyterian.org for more information about Faith Beats and other things happening at First. And be sure to tell others about Faith Beats. I'm your co-host, Dave Vandermeer. And I'm your other co-host, Mark Matas. Thank you again for joining us. This episode of Faith Beats is brought to you by First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor where we aim to make God's love visible with open minds, open hearts, and open arms.